on the Aggie Sports Network. From Learfield IMG College, this is the Aggie Coaches Show with Coach Gary Anderson. Brought to you by America First Credit Union. Financial solutions for every need. Bryant Heating and Cooling. Whatever it takes. SC Needham Jewelers. Where Utah gets engaged. And by Wingers. They're freaking amazing. Here's the voice of the Aggies, Scott Gerrard. Hey, welcome on in. It's another edition of the Aggie Coaches Show with Gary Anderson. We are live here at Wingers in Logan in the Cash Valley Mall. Love for you to come by and say hi and uh, hang out with us. Coming up a little bit later on, you'll have a chance to ask Coach a question. Uh, we need more of those. If you've got questions for Coach, get ready. Uh, Coach would love to hear from you. So, uh, let's uh, let's get it rolling here as we have a chance to chat about what was a uh, really fun, I guess we can say fun now that it was a W, win against uh, San Diego State and then look ahead to Colorado State. But, Coach, going 1-0 and in conference play, those conference Ws, don't they're, they're not easy to come by. And every time you get them, you got to have a big smile on your face. There's no doubt, yeah, especially with the uh, conference foes that we have this year uh, that are usually on our side and ones that uh, we rotate through. So, obviously, San Diego State is one of those rotating teams that uh, – we get to have for two years, and then they go away for two years. And, you know, they got Fresno State over there also staring at us. So it's, uh, it's interesting to uh, play those guys, and it was a big win. Uh, great college football game, you know. We've, a couple of those games this year have been really good games. The kids have battled through situations and moments, and it came down to kind of one play one time and one play the other time, and we were uh, on the good side one time and not so on the good side against the Wake Forest game. But uh, it was great. They battled. It was a fight. Went back and forth. Would expect nothing less out of a Rocky Long team like we talked about all week long. And um, I thought our kids, you know, handled it well and found a way to make a play at the end of the game to win, which was great. Had a chance to uh, catch up with Coach Sanford a little bit earlier this afternoon, and he mentioned, you know, a Rocky Long team, you think and you prepare for something all week long, and then all of a sudden – out of nowhere comes something different, and it's about how you adjust to a defensive uh, a, a defensive team like that. That, frankly, I you know this is me speaking. I don't know. You don't have to weigh in on this. That might be one of, if not the best defense you face this year, maybe outside of LSU. Yeah, I, I would imagine they'll be uh, right up there at the end. And you know they've. Uh, it's kind of the recipe if you look at it a little bit this year versus last year. We had so many teams sit back and play zone coverage against uh, the Aggies last year, and sat and played quarters and played off and. Um, it was way different this year. They're up in our face and playing man coverage and doing some different things to, uh, you know, force that ball out and some unique twists and some situations that uh, try to confuse the quarterback but still play traditional defenses behind them. So it's uh, people have done their uh, game planning against yep. our offense, yep. I guess, in the offseason, I would say, and um, which is, you know, that's what, that's what good staff do. They look at the teams that had a bunch of success and they work hard to be able to uh, stop them. And, you know, you look at that game plan, it was man coverage. It was much like um, the team that we're playing this week at Colorado State played against Utah State last year. It was much the same. It was man coverage, uh, get up and try to disguise. Not as many moving parts with the defensive line. Uh, with Colorado State, they'll be much more stagnant. But as far as the pressure, it uh, you know, sits there and says, hey, we're going to play man coverage, go ahead and beat it. And, uh, you know, we, we need to kind of answer uh, – Break that down a little bit and have some answers to be able to get some touchdowns scored in those scenarios and situations. Uh, you know, Wake Forest played a lot of that against us also. So we will see as we move forward. We'll face the same type of coverages this week, and we've got to learn to beat them. You know, I thought uh, sometimes when you play a team like that, especially if they can get pressure, there was a lot of traffic around Jordan Love in that game. Uh, and, and sometimes quarterbacks get happy feet back there. I never got the sense that he had happy feet at all, stayed poised, confident, 
and more often than not delivered the ball where it needed to be. Yeah, that's Jordan. Um, and he also had snaps were not where they needed to be. So we need to help him in that situation and be better in that scenario. But there was a lot of moving parts for the offensive line. The running backs, as I've mentioned many times, blocked extraordinarily well. Uh, many times they had to come back across the formation to pick up a guy that is their guy, but it's in an abnormal spot from where it usually sits. And, uh, and I thought Jordan did a nice job of reading. His, court, his uh, wide receivers and tight ends did a nice job. You know, Carson had a great game. Yeah. Car- Carson yeah. had a tremendous, tremendous game, breaking tackles, making things happen for the offense. And, you know, we caught a bunch of contested balls. But you're right. I mean, Jordan stayed very com- composed, uh, stayed in the moment, and uh, made the plays when we absolutely needed him to make the plays. And even at the end of the game, you know, you, we had those last two drives where we had an opportunity to go down. The offense went down. They did their job. They got the job, uh, the ball down to the 25-yard line. And, you know, we kick a field goal. That game's over with. And there's no way they're going to score twice in that situation unless something crazy happens on an onside kick. But uh, in that game, it may have happened. Yeah. <laughs> it could have gone that way. But uh, in the end, we found a way to, to get it done. And, you know, Jordan is uh, the ultimate competitor, in my opinion. You know, one of the plays that will not go down as far as a great play because it started disastrous, but a, uh, a bad snap that goes all the way back to the goal line, Jordan's able to go back, fling it, no intentional grounding, throw it in a way that you didn't get the grounding, uh, which could have ended up in a safety. It sets up for a third and short. He converts the third and keeps the drive alive. Yep, and that's, uh, again, for him. And You can call it a sweet hop or whatever. He got the ball. He put yeah. it up there. He ran out there and threw it out. He's got a strong enough arm to make a decision to, to get that out of there. And there, there was some situations, and, you know, they, they had a bunch of the, the few penalties San Diego State that really backed them up in those exact situations on the kickoffs, right? There's a couple kickoff returns put them back to the 10-yard line to start some drives, and we didn't really have that situation. Could have been in that spot with Jordan right there, but he got us out of it. Um, what, was, what was the story on the exchanges there? There was, uh, I think, four snaps, maybe five that went awry. You know, there was a bunch of snaps that we just were uh, snapping them to the right, you know, yeah. and uh, – there was some scenarios with some practices and some things that just the ability to be healthy and practice through those things and get that done in the CQ exchange. Uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into those moments. And at the end of the day, when you look at those things, we need to make sure as, as coaches and a group of players, we do all we can to, to adjust that to make it be so we get the, uh, the, the, the snaps that we need during the week, the reps that we need during the week to be used to that type of movement. It's different for the center. I mean, I played center. That's way different when I'm sitting there and I have two defensive tackles sitting there or a nose guard on top of me, and I know that guy's there, that guy's there, that guy's there. We are playing San Diego State. That guy that's there, he's not going to be there. But somebody's going to be there. Yeah. And, and, again, those are those are repetitions that we couldn't get during practice that week because we weren't healthy at that position. Mm. Uh, you uh, you fire off much out of the shotgun back in the day when you were playing center? Uh, very very little back in the day. <laughs> I was pretty much uh, – Larry Edgar was wide under center with me and uh, away we went doing, doing our deal. So very few shotgun snaps in my day. It's the Gary Anderson Coaches Show. We're live here at Wingers. Love for you to come by and hang out with us. Uh, coming up a little bit later on, we'll chat with T. Penali, I as well as uh, C.O.C. Mariner. Uh, I was talking – Kevin White made an interesting note on the broadcast. I wanted to touch base with you. You have wide receivers that are making really great catches, contested catches. Um, is that uh, is that through practice? Is that the DNA of a tough guy just making sure that he gets that ball? What goes into a wide receiver being able to uh, make those kind of plays? Well, I think the, the biggest thing is 
That, that's kind of like a coach telling you that you're going to make a guy really fast. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that that goes in, the competitiveness, the toughness. Now, is it practiced? Absolutely, yes. I mean, every day you go out there pre-practice, and Coach Phillips has got those running backs in there, swatting them with the padded sticks and making them go through the pop-up dummies and look through small windows to catch balls, and that's all part of it. There's definitely some training that goes into there, but uh, there, it's a tough guy that can get in that position, in that situation, and wants to compete for that ball when it's a 50-50 ball. It might be yours, might be mine. I'm going to go take that thing. It's like a, a great rebounder in basketball. Yep, they yep. just have a niche to get the ball, and uh, – you know, we, we've, we've been very, very fortunate this year to have some young men that go after those contested balls and make the catches, which is a sign of a competitive wide receiver group. Absolutely, yes. Well coached, yes. But, uh, again, I think a lot of that goes back to recruiting the right guys in the right spots to uh, um, that have the competitive nature that we need them to have in our offense. You can't just be an average guy. Again, I say it, catch a hitch, go 80 yards. Okay, whatever, that's fine. But uh, you got to break a tackle sometimes. you got to catch a contested ball and make people miss. That's what our offense is all about once you get the ball in your you know, when you're recruiting a kid, chances are he's one of, if not the best player on his on his high school team. So with that said, how hard is it to identify toughness in a high school athlete when chances are he's already the best player on the team? It, it's, uh, it can be difficult at times, um, but it also goes into multi-sport athletes. What is he doing in the offseason when he's not playing football? Is he still competing? Um, does he have that ultimate drive? It goes through talking to his coaches. Many times you can see it on tape. You can just see toughness by position. It yeah. gets a little more difficult at some positions to see, you know, Cooper, right? Cooper, we all, Cooper is one of the most competitive kids and one of the toughest kids we know. Well, he's multiple state championship wrestler and multiple state champion in track, and he's a quarterback. Yeah. So you look at him and say, well, how competitive is he when he plays the quarterback position? He looks it, but you know how tough he is from what he does. So you try to educate yourself, see exactly where it is. And the other thing is I'm a firm believer in this. I think a program can make a kid tougher um, just through the development of his mind, the development in the weight room, the toughness that comes through the football team, and his football team holding himself accountable to what direction he's headed in life and on the football field, I think that makes kids tougher. And sometimes it's, you know, they grow up too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, uh, you get into those situations and kids will continually grow and develop and they'll get tougher in your program if your program demands toughness. And if they can't, then they won't survive. A couple of individual players I want to talk about. Uh, Cam Haney played, started yes. in that game. Uh, evaluate his play, and do you still anticipate working uh, Lampkin in as much as you can? Yeah, I think that uh, you know it's good to have Cam come back and, and get into that spot. He's a senior. He's earned the opportunity to be in that position. He worked his tail off to get healthy again. He played well, tackled really well. Him and DJ, uh, again, tackled extremely well in that game. And so many times they wanted to get the toss out into the field. And, and you hold San Diego State at the end of the day to you know two yards of rush. That's, that's a really, really good day um, in that setting. And um, had some a lot of TFLs, and they were responsible for a lot of that. But to get Cam back in that setting was good. I uh, want him to have a successful senior year, and now that he's back on the field. He's got a game underneath his belt with a lot of success. Uh, so hopefully he continue to build on that. And, yes, we do keep Cam in the rotation. He's a freshman that is in the mix. He's going to play for us, and he's excited for that opportunity. And, you know, he's, uh, he's kind of back where he needs to be. He's had, uh, you know, had a little bit of a tough week um, a couple weeks ago with a, a tough family situation that he has gone through. Uh, but uh, our family dug into him his family dug into him took care of him and he's back where he needs to be and so many of these kids but you know they go through a lot and yeah. uh, he's away from home has some situations happen and it's just more important sometimes that we put our arm around a young man and hug him up than it is he goes out and plays in a football game mm -hmm. And then uh, Tipa with a sack and three TFLs. It was fun to see him get going. It was. You know, we've uh, we've tried to loosen it up a little bit for him and get him in some spots. And 
not let people always know where he's going to be. Um, Saw him at nose guard there. Yeah, yeah, once or twice, moving him around there, put him in there, let him dive around and have some fun. Uh, but it was it was good to see him get those big TFLs, big plays when we needed him. The sack was awesome, and you know, so that's that's a really nice game for Tipa, and we expect him to keep growing, and we just keep being uh, dynamic how we use him because a good offense is going to find out where he is and try to double team him a lot, which is taking place. And so now it's a it's a chess game, trying to move him around and get him in spots to be able to make some plays. We continue on with uh, Coach Gary Anderson coming up next. We're live here at Wingers. And make sure to show your Aggie pride at any Wingers location. Use your Aggie Visa card to pay for your meal and receive a free dessert. Plus, you'll be entered to win an Aggie football package, including tickets to the next home game. Stop by any USU or Golden West Credit Union branch to pick up your Aggie Visa card. Congratulations this week's winner. It's Andrew Gilchrist. And uh, someone will be uh, reaching out to you very soon, Andrew. So congratulations, and uh, thanks for using that uh, Aggie Visa card. More of the Gary Anderson Coaches Show coming up next on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Welcome on back. You're listening to the Gary Anderson Coaches Show live here at Wingers. Looking ahead to Colorado State. Uh, the game that obviously a lot of people remember. Back and forth, Utah State scores a late touchdown to Aaron Vaughns. Looks like Utah State's going to uh, get a highly contested W, and then Colorado State comes down, uh, throws the Hail Mary. Looks like it's a touchdown. Looks like the Aggies have their first conference loss. Uh, and then uh, look over to the official and coach up in the booth. It was a nightmare trying to figure out what was going on. And you see the coach without a hat on, and you start to put two and two together. That's, you know, it's a game of inches. And last year, that certainly was the case in that one. There's no doubt. The crazy thing is, so uh, obviously, I was at Utah. We were playing Colorado on that day, and our game had just ended. And uh, I knew how cold it was. Trust me, it was cold. Yeah. And our, our game had a whole bunch more snow in it than there was at, uh, at Fort Collins. But I got on my phone, and I looked, and it was uh, went right to the game, clicked on it, and at that moment it was like it, the score was over. It was done. They lost. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I look back five minutes later. I'm, what happened? So it was crazy for me too, sitting there saying, oh, man, they lost the game and upset, and away we go. And then all of a sudden they came back and won. And by that time, so I was on the phone. And, in fact, I called Stacy, and I was like, what happened in yeah. the game? And so she let me know. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a very, very highly contested game. And, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it was a team. They came out, and they said, okay, we're going to line up a play man coverage. And, and Colorado State had a bunch of yardage on offense, uh, but they scored twice on defense. The Aggies did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we put one, one touchdown up and up. They scored one offensive touchdown at the end of the day. Uh, last drive, uh, well, I guess second to last drive, if you will, because Colorado State had another drive. And they, uh, they scored a touchdown. They needed to get it done. And, you know, sometimes games are like that. Sometimes seasons are like that when you just you find a way to uh, make a special play in that special moment, and uh, the other team doesn't. And that's kind of what took place there, and, you know, the rest is history. So uh, I don't know if there's a little gamesmanship going on here or, or what the situation is, but earlier I, w- I was listening to uh, Coach Bobo's press conference. He said Marvin Kinsey's doubtful. He said the uh, wide receiver, kid, the uh, Jackson, is doubtful for this game. But I got to imagine you probably, you know, look, this isn't the NFL. You don't have to, you know, list players specifically. Uh, I got to imagine you probably prepare as if everybody's playing in this game. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we'll definitely prepare and see exactly what's out there and where those kids are and what the situation is. And, um, 
uh, yeah, we just, you're right. We prepare for the guys that we see on film, and um, they have very capable backups in that setting, in that situation. This is a very powerful offense. I mean, yeah. just look at it and look at the numbers, see what they've done. It's 700 yards last week. They rushed one guy, rushed for 200 and whatever yards. This wide receiver is, I don't know how tall he is, but he's tall, 6'5", 6'6". He's made a ton of plays. He's one of the most productive wide receivers in the country. And Bobo's off- offenses are very, very good. He's he's a very good coach. He has done what he's done in his career as far as with offenses and uh, their experience there. They have good players on the offensive side of the ball. There's no doubt about it. And um, they have good players on the defensive side of the ball too. It's just the big plays have really hurt them on the defensive side. And, you know, we, we, we've uh, had a couple of those ourselves as we've gone through time here. So they're – but they're offensively – they're a scary team to play against. And ask Arkansas that, ask Western Illinois that, you know, ask anybody that they've played that they understand this is a very, very potent, potent offense. Uh, forecast calls for rain. How much does that damper what you try to do offensively? I hope none. Um, and it shouldn't. You know, we've prepared for rain. We've thrown wet balls. Uh, we've squirted them down for the last two days and done everything we can to make sure that, uh, you know, we've uh, got the right kind of gloves or the best we can be now. And it's always a factor of some sort, somehow, some way, but uh, we put our kids in a position to be prepared for it. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't affect us and hopefully it affects them. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, rain in that setting, in that situation, keeping your gloves dry, keeping the, the balls dry as we can and rotating the balls when we're on the offensive side of the ball is key. And then obviously ball security is a big, is a big deal. So uh, we, we're going to have to play. To, to, to get to the point to compete and be able to win a championship sooner or later, uh, which is always going to be the goal as you go through and to win games late in the year, you're going to play in bad weather. So yep. you have to be able to react your offense somehow, some way. You've got to have a scheme. If it has to be adjusted to play in cold weather to give you a chance to play elite games in the month of November, then you need to adjust the scheme if you can't play in bad weather. And so um, tomorrow's going to be, or excuse me, Saturday's going to be not good weather. We know that in the rain. So uh, if it affects us in a, in a negative way, then, you know, we better – understand that uh, we better fix that and find a way to help the kids well we'll say this temperature is still in the 50s uh maybe even the 60s so no reason no rain is going to hurt anybody so get, get your butt to the game let's see you up in that stadium and uh let's let's uh, see a great crowd up there at maverick stadium because it should be a fun one uh with utah state and colorado state so tell me a little bit about patrick o'brien colin hill tremendous player uh unfortunate injury with him with the acl again a uh, really good kid I had a chance to chat with him a lot at mountain west conference media day uh, feel bad for him and, no and, and his situation, but Patrick O'Brien still seems like a guy who come out and sling it pretty good. Yeah, he is. Um, and you're right with Carl. That's, that's horrible. That kid has battled back for so many injuries and, um, you know, it is what it is. I went through three of those myself and it's not a bunch of fun and it's, yeah. it's a hard, hard spot for that kid. And I'm sure he'll still be a team leader and battle and be there with his guys. Um, he seems like a tremendous kid. And I agree from what I saw of him in the media days, he's, he's a, he's a competitive, tough kid. Um, but yeah, so this guy walks in, and you know, he's a Nebraska transfer. Obviously, he was highly recruited. Uh, Coach Sanford knows him well through the cycle of all quarterback coaches. You know, there's not that many in the country that are elite quarterbacks. This kid was an elite quarterback coming out of, out of high school, went to Nebraska. Big, strong, tall kid. Um, you know, probably 230-some-odd pounds, pounds from what he looks like on film and uh, from what you read up on him. Um, can throw it across the field wherever he needs to. Uh, he has no problem throwing the deep ball, uh, communicating with his receivers to throw the post, to throw opposite field hash. Uh, none of that stuff bothers him. So he's a gunslinger, and you can see that in the numbers. Just look what he did in the, in the game that he played. He came in, and they really didn't miss a beat on offense as far as throwing the football, and uh, he controlled it and handled the offense very, very well. Uh, and you would see a you know, 700-plus yard performance on offense is not easy to do. So this guy's a, a really good quarterback. 
they run the ball extremely well, yeah. but but they do give up some pressures. Is it more of a that offensive line a little bit a little bit better on the run blocking than maybe in, in protection? Well, a lot of their you know they've they've done some things where they they're a play action team. They sprint out, they boot out some things, and sometimes if you call that into a blitz or what have you, you're gonna have a little bit more pressure than normal. Um, but then I think the, the the timing of the quarterback getting the ball out. You know, I don't watch the film and say, oh my goodness, this is uh, you know we we got a chance here to get a bunch of freebie sacks, or we got this pressure coming off here. This going to do that they're multiple within their personnel groups um they have three four and sometimes five different personnel groups that they'll show you there's a lot of motions there's a lot of moving parts of their offense it can be very confusing and again that goes to good coaches and kids that can handle a fairly large scheme so um you know, I just, I'm just telling you, we're facing a, a pretty potent offense when we walk out there, and we have to be, uh, you know, make sure we're assignment sound, we're communicating well, and taking care of our business. You know, I was, uh, I had a chance to uh, chat uh, on my show down in Salt Lake City. Uh, Kyle came on earlier this week, and he said drop eight's a big part of kind of college football now, and kind of how you have to defend a lot of teams that get after a little bit. You've gone to drop eight a little bit so far this year. Is that just kind of a, a staple that a lot of offense or a lot of defenses are going to have to use now going forward? Well, we've always had drop eight. You know, if I go back to the early 2000s, um, you know, Kyle and I always had a drop eight in each package. And it was, uh, and in the back in the day, it was a very comfortable call to call when people used to try to personnel you and hide in the huddle on the sidelines and jump out. And it was, it was kind of a comforting call for the kids to settle them down and get into a spot. So drop eight for us is really nothing different, but with the spread offense, it has grown into more of a disguise package. You're up there potentially could bring six, could bring five, could bring four, and you're dropping out to three to confuse a quarterback and put him in a spot to be able to not get an early pre-snap read. Now, the more they spread you out, the less you can disguise. But, yeah. uh, you know, drop eight is something that we have. We have that in each one of our packages. Some teams use it more than others. It's, uh, you know, it, it can be a very, very good weapon. Um, but at times it does allow a quarterback to get out and, and stress your coverage as you go through time. So living in it's not the answer, just like living in man coverage is not the answer. Living in dropping, you know, rushing four, blitzing every time. It's uh, mixing it up in today's day and age, especially with these quarterbacks that know exactly what they're doing and how they're handling the offense is the key. You know, we've talked a lot about uh, CLC Mariner as a transfer, certainly Caleb Rep, uh, Jalen Warren coming from Snow. Nick Henninger, I think, has been great in the first few games of the season and, and has done a tremendous job on that line. Nick has, uh, you know, he, he's just, he's a great story too. He's a, <clears throat> a great student. Um, took like 17 hours of summer school to get here and battled, wow. battled like crazy to find a way to get graduated. And, you know, he'll get his, he'll, he'll, he'll jump in that business school and do a great job. And he's an extremely smart kid and he's going to be getting married here in a little bit. So uh, life is in a good direction, but he's a good physical, tough football player. Just another young man that was one of those transfers that walked in here. He was in my room, obviously, last year, the whole year at Utah um, and was excited about an opportunity to come in and, and, uh, and play and be able to compete at a high level, and he's done. He's done that. Um, he's deep in our rotation, and you know his care factor for this team is extremely high, just like the other transfers that walked in here. So I'm proud of Nick, but mostly I'm happy that you know he's he's enjoying himself, and he feels like this was a great decision for him, and that means the world to me for all those transfer kids, for Coc Caleb Riley, you know all of those kids to make sure that uh, you know they're having a good time and enjoying what they're doing here in Cache Valley is awesome. And you get him for two years, too. Get Nick for two years. I wish you had C.O.C. for two years, Caleb for two years, <laughs> Riley for two years. That'd be nice, but at least I get Nick for two. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. All right, coming up next, we'll take some questions for Coach. If you've got uh, some questions or comments and want to pick his brain a little bit, we'd love to hear from you live here at the Wingers location in Logan in the Cache Valley Mall. Love for you to stop by right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College.
All right, well, welcome on back. You're listening to the Gary Anderson Coaches Show. We're live here at Wingers in Logan. Coming up in our next segment, we'll chat with CLC Mariner as well as Tifa Nalii. Now's the chance for you to ask a question. You got a question for Coach? Uh, raise your hand, and uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, see if you want to pick brains, uh, pick uh, Coach's brain a little bit. Uh, one thing, and completely off, off, off the uh, off the beat path here a little Deepa bit. Tifa has a question. Oh, does Tifa got a question? <laughs> I want to hear that. Here we go. Who's your favorite Polynesian player of all time? <laughs> How many Polys are in the room? Just you, baby, so you win. <laughs> uh, that's got to be a fun young man to coach. Yeah, he is. He's uh, Teep always has a smile on his face, and he, he's really is the ultimate competitor like many kids in this program. And He's got a great story, battled his tail off to get here. He's made the best of it, and he continues to do so. And I know his family's proud of him. We are too, and we're excited about having him for the rest of this season through here and then see where life takes him. So he's going to stamp that degree here in December and get himself ready to roll. So i, I got to imagine there's some big things in his future, no doubt. There needs to be, as long as he eats. So I see his, there's no plate in front of him right now. So <laughs> he needs to eat and eat and eat and eat. I wish I had that metabolism. Yeah, Don't yeah, you? No doubt. It'd be nice. All right, another question. Go ahead, sir. So as Scott said, let's pick the coach's brain here. <clears throat> My wife knows how I was feeling at the end of the fourth quarter. We were watching. I, I thought two unfortunate lucky touchdowns happen. Then the missed field goal. She was laying by me and knew what I was thinking and saying, what were you thinking at that time? <laughs> they did show you a few times on TV, too. We saw you. Just make one play. That's what I was thinking, one play. You know, the, the, when you go through those moments, right, there's so many momentum swings in a game, and, you're not going to play San Diego State and ever think the game's over. And I've, I've said that many times, the respect I have for Rocky and his kids. But, you know, the one thing that I felt is I didn't feel any any panic whatsoever, nor did I in the Wake Forest game. The kids, they just kept on playing, kept battling. When the offense took the field, I thought they had good eyes. You know, Jordan looked at me and, and winked and said, Coach, we got this on the last drive, and they drove it right down the field. Um, when we missed the field goal, I, I didn't see the defense walking out on the field with their heads down and say, woe is me, here we go again. They took the field and expected to go out and win. And so it's, uh, you know, you, you, you can't, you can tell yourself you could coach that, but I think kids learn that in a program to trust each other. It's not necessarily trusting a coach or trusting a, uh, a trainer or whatever at that moment. It's about trusting each other and say, hey, this is a team sport. I signed up for it. We've had mistakes that have been made. I need to answer the bell as my unit right now and do all I can. And, um, yeah, it's, it's nerve-wracking, absolutely, yes. Uh, you'd like to find a way to help them get that thing done and end it. Uh, you always kind of look and say, what could I have done different in those settings to be able to help them not allow those big plays to take place? But uh, they did, and uh, yeah, I probably aged, I don't know, I was 55 going into it. I was probably 62 at the end. <laughs> that opens up another question. Somebody wants to, wants to jump in, we'd love to hear from you. But, you know, that, I think that shows the culture of this team a little bit, and I – I had a chance to uh, chat with a couple players after the game on the post-game show, and I asked them, you know, you know, was there any nervousness? And they're like, no, no, you know, look, we knew we gave them a couple, and uh, we're going to shut it down, and we'll be just fine. And and I love that that bravado's thinking, you know what, it's all right, we'll be okay. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the, the other thing is they made a bunch of plays to get to that point too, which you, you get to those moments, you can't forget. You made a lot of plays to get to that point, so just – 
make another one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long game. You've gone through it. And, hey, we – Things didn't go our way, and but you got to battle back through it. I, I was I was proud to see him, you know, keep fighting and keep battling, and uh, just stay poised and stay confident. There's the, we always talk about it. Adversity is going to strike. It might be the first play of the game. It might be the last play of the game. It might be two weeks in a row you go through adversity. It may never hit. Who knows? But you got to be prepared for it, and you can't run from it. Another question down the way. There, go ahead, Coach. Keys to the game of beating Colorado State on well, Saturday. Um, Turnovers, and I would put an exclamation point behind that with uh, the weather. And we need to make sure that we take care of the football, and we work to get that out. We need to stop their their running game and their big play action shots that they take downfield. They get a lot of big plays uh, in the run game and in the throw game, really, with their play action scenarios that really hurts uh, the teams that they've played. And I would think for our offense, our offense is the ability for our offense to be able to beat man coverage. Um, that's something that we need to take great pride in as an offense, and we need to beat man coverage and, and take care of it. And then when we get in the red zone, we need to score touchdowns. Um, that would be, you know, the keys for me. And then that always leads me to third downs on both sides is obviously a, a huge part of it also. You know, you bring up the point there, uh, this team about 40% uh, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, but you played, you know, two in particular really, really good defenses in Wake Forest and uh, in San Diego State. What's the key to, to punching it in once you get inside the 20? Well, I think, you know, the field closes. Uh, things go a little bit quicker when you get down there in those settings, those situations. You have to be able to not let a defense kind of know who you are at that point. Yeah, we can run it. Yes, we can throw it. you got to anticipate the pressure, and then it's the same situation. We need to make sure that we give the kids opportunities to make plays, and when the opportunity presents itself, you know, we need to, we need to pound that ball, whether through the run or get it through up in the air to score touchdowns. And, um, you know, it comes down to in those scenarios, those situations, executing at a high level you know players make plays players win games especially as that field closes and when you're in that spot once you get inside the 10 yard line I always tell the defense on defense when you get to the 10 yard line going in and you're protecting your end zone average plays lead to touchdowns yeah so you're in a position to force the defense to make great plays, and all you got to do on the offensive side of the ball is just make some average plays once you get on the 10-yard line. Make two or three average plays to score a touchdown. Don't let them make a great play that throws you off track, and then all of a sudden it becomes much more difficult for you. So as simple as that sounds, that's the red zone in a nutshell to me. Hard, you know, uh, I think he ended up that San Diego State game with 80 yards rushing in that game, but considering how San Diego State was playing the run, and you guys end up well over three yards, uh, three yards a carry, which, again, in the grand scheme of things may not be great. But against that defense, I thought you ran the ball well. Yeah, and there was some physical runs. Yeah. You know, just Jalen's runs and G. Bright's runs just pop out. Again, Carson's after-the-catch runs that he made two or three times. Uh, there was some physical, tough-minded kids running the football there with some nice ball security. So, um, yeah, it's uh, you know it's 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 that it's a tough defense, and the way they play. Again, if you're going to line up, if you're going to soften them up, then soften up that man coverage, and you're going to have to throw the ball around, and then Rocky will back off if you know you're throwing the ball successfully down the, the down the field and scoring a bunch of touchdowns. Uh, but until you can soften them up, they're going to sit in there and they're going to play man coverage and they're load up that box and they're going to make you earn your way. Um, and that's just it's very different than you know you sit back and so many I think for a couple three years here people have just said man with these spread offenses we can't line up with them we, they're too fast for us to be able to line up and play man coverage. Well now people are figuring out that that's not.
not the case that they need to be able to do that if they have the people to play man coverage. Rocky did that. Um, again, these guys this week, they have a plan to do it. They're going to do it. So you have to beat man coverage to be able to be successful. Or they'll play seven or eight guys in the box. They'll stop the run. They'll play man coverage. And you'll have a hard time, and they'll squeeze you when you get down the red zone. So those answers to those tests need to come our way quickly. So, again, this is a question I was going to ask you a little bit off the beat path, but it, I, I got to imagine you had a big smile on your face, former coach of yours, I believe a wide receiver coach at uh, Oregon State, Coach Brennan, ends up getting yeah. a big win on the road for San Jose State, going in SEC country and getting a win. That would be yeah. nice to see. It was great for Brent. And, you know, Derek Odom's there. Um, Kevin McGivens there on that staff. All those guys have been on my staffs in the past, and it's, uh, it's awesome to see them have that success. And I saw that score, and, uh, you know, Coach Bernardi, who is uh, – he helps at San Diego State. He's an old-time offensive line coach, and I saw him and his boy as the offensive line coach at uh, San Jose State. And I walked out of the tunnel, and I grabbed him as we were warming up on the backside. I said, Coach, how you doing? He said, man, I don't have my cell phone. I need to see if San Jose State's <laughs> winning. I said, well, I saw it a minute ago, and they were still winning, so I hope they go because that was a proud daddy when his boy won that game. So that's, that's a big win for San Jose State and for those coaches. They battled for a long time to get that one. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, Coach, Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Great Go Aggies. conversation. Coming up next, we'll chat with T. Penalia as well as uh, CLC Mariner next on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. And welcome on back. You're listening to the Gary Anderson Coaches Show. We're live here at Wingers. And make sure to show your Aggie pride at any Wingers location. Use your Aggie Visa card. To pay for your meal and receive a free dessert, plus you'll be entered to win an Aggie football package, including tickets to the next home game. Stop by any USU or Golden West Credit Union branch to pick up your Aggie Visa card. And again, congratulations to Andrew Gilchrist. Andrew, somebody from USU Credit Union, will be reaching out for reaching out to you to make sure you get your prize. All right, time to chat with some players. Uh, two of two of the favorites out there, as Aggie fans have uh, enjoyed watching these guys over the last bit. Uh, joining us now, CLC Mariner. Wide receiver, T. Penalii, who's been wrecking offenses in this conference for about a year and a half now. Uh, Siosi, let's start with you. Um, I know transferring is never easy, uh, but what was it about this program when you hit the uh, portal? What was it about Utah State? What was it about this coaching staff that made you feel like this would be a good fit? Um, About 99% of it was Coach A. Um, like the first day I was in the portal, he called me pretty quick, got on me pretty quick, and um. I knew from experience from the year he was at Utah. I got to know him a little bit. He got me over to the house a couple of times. And um, he was just a real good person, very genuine person. And you could tell he's all for the kids. And um, my last year, I was looking just to be comfortable in a spot where I can come in, play my best. And um, that's what Utah State offered me. How uh, how good of a fit has this offense been for you? It's been real good. Um, you know, at first it was a bit of a struggle because it was track practice. But um, – <laughs> You know, you definitely get used to it, and uh, you learn to love it, and it's very receiver-friendly. And, um, yeah, it's been real good to me. You know, um, Coach Phillips um, has helped me expand my game like that, and Coach Sanford does his job um, as an OC, calling the good plays and putting us in the right position to score, so it's been real good for me. What uh, What's it like playing for a guy like uh, Jordan Love? Um, Jordan's a great quarterback. Um, he knows it. The world knows it. So, um, you know, he makes definitely makes the receiver's jobs easier, and um, – we try to do all we can to make him right at all times. So whatever we can't do, we get our hand on the ball. You know, we try to make a spectacular grab and things like that and just help him out and always be a helping hand for him. You know, I, I had a chance to interview over the phone a couple of times while you are at the University of Utah, and, and it always seemed like you were a guy that enjoyed the playing experience, but you could tell there was a fire there. Uh, you wanted to compete. You wanted to win at a high level. 
Uh, just how important is that for you this final year now that the light's at the end of the tunnel of your playing career? Um, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, you come into college expecting um, just to do big things, you know. If not, you probably want to play this sport. And um, I've always had that kind of fire in me. You know, I've been waiting to show it, waiting to get the opportunity. And um, and God's will, you know, it finally came my fifth year. And uh, it's a blessing that's at Utah State. So, you know, I was trying to give Utah State all I, all I have left for college football. So, Tipanaliai, uh, who obviously had a huge game against San Diego State, three TFLs, uh, one sack. Uh, talk us through that performance because, uh, well, that was a big one for you. Um, the biggest thing for us, I feel like, was just trusting our training uh, throughout the week. You know, we stuck it with stuck with Coach A and his plan that we uh, and as well as our defensive coaches, just attacking their the offense the way they wanted to, and you know, just depending on whatever they wanted to do, and uh, we just had to go out and execute it. Uh, our offense did a did a good job. They, you know, they were just putting us in the right position to keep us on the field. And, you know, there was a lot of times where we could have got ourselves off the field, you know, a lot quicker, but we stuck with it and trusted our coaches and everything. So what's the what's new defense been like for you personally? Uh, I love it. I, I haven't really played a defense like this before, and it's, uh, I'm still learning to this day. It's something that I can help elevate my game and my – Football IQ and uh, Coach A and his staff, they do a good job on helping me with that. So just to just set you up on the broadcast, so I do the play-by-play. And, uh, you know, I've got binoculars and I'm trying to, you know, tell the audience what's going on. And, and I look over across the line and I see number 10 played nose guard. I'm like, what is going <laughs> on? <laughs> How was that? Uh, that's exactly what I mean when I haven't played this defense before. Uh, <laughs> but Coach A, they, like he stated earlier, him and his uh, the staff, they try to find ways to help me and, and my football, uh, my my teammates make plays, and yeah. you know everybody has their play, and you know if you don't make that play, then they'll scratch it out of the playbook. So I try my hardest when uh, they put me in there, and it's a little awkward position, but that's what being a, a good football player to me is adjusting to, you know what's what's that task and what you got to do in order to win. So uh, you know I want to go back to the sack because I thought it was really impressive. Uh, you know, they, they faked the handoff, and it looked like for a second you, you were chasing the running back down, realized you didn't have it, and then pivoted on a dime and, and went and sacked the quarterback. Uh, is that all just instinctual for you? Does that just, is that just kind of in your DNA to be able to make plays like that? Um, yeah, it was kind of, to me, it was slow motion, I feel like. Uh, once I went inside of the, the tackle, I saw the running back and the quarterback. That's all I saw, and I saw the football between both of them, and once the running back got out of my sight, I saw the quarterback still had the football. Yeah. So it, it it's kind of slow but fast at the same time. It's kind of hard to explain it, but, you know, uh, it all fell into my hands and I had to make the play. CLC, I want to circle back to you a little bit on, uh, and I talked to your coach about this. Not only have you made a bunch of catches, you made a lot of contested catches. Guys draped over your back a little bit. Guys, you know, where it's kind of, uh, where you've got to muscle through a defender to try to to try to bring that ball in, uh, how are you able to handle that kind of a situation? Do you enjoy that kind of contact out there on the field? Because more often than not, you're the one coming away with that ball. Um, just through preparation, um, practice every day. Um, our coaches do a real good job of um, never let us take the easy way out. So now every day you're always preparing for the game, preparing for your opponent. And like Coach A said, Coach Phillips does a good job of putting us. Um, 
during like in-game drills to where like he makes it hard in the game would be so like you know whether it's like we barely have enough time to look back for the ball the window is probably way smarter would be in the game he just does good good things like that and is getting us ready for the games during certain kind of drills so like it preps us for situations like that so they become easier for us you know you talk about that fast-paced offense more often than not you guys are losing in time of possession so you're not out there a ton because you're going so fast but do you see defenses start to wear down a little bit as the game goes on because you guys are going so up tempo? Most definitely, you know, um, you know, you might have a team come out first couple series like they are they're pressing you man to man, real bump around, and the series start to go on like series four or five, and all of a sudden they're playing off man and things yeah. like that. And then suddenly you're starting to see uh, cover two and things like that. So it definitely um, it worked. It worked to our advantage, and um, when we when we run it correctly and really uh, push the tempo, it really works in our favor. So, Tipa, how much better does it make you as a defense when you spend spring and fall going up against this offense? Oh, man, it, I feel like I've gotten a lot better. You know, me, I, I was very prideful last year. I, was, I feel like I'm, I wasn't so immature, but I felt like I, uh, I was good yeah. enough. Yeah. But then, you know, not every school has the Heisman candidate quarterback, and that, that helped me a lot. Uh, the ball is out quick. That means they need to get to the quarterback faster. The O-linemen, they're improving every day. And that means I need to improve just as much as them. And, you know, just the all-around def- uh, offense that uh, we have, it helps not only me, but, you know, the rest of the 10 guys around me as well. Yeah. You know, I, I remember the Michigan State game last year. I don't think Michigan State looked at any tape. They didn't really know what to expect. And, and you made them pay. Uh, this year, have you noticed the teams are playing you much, much differently than last year? Oh, yeah. I've uh, gotten a lot of offensive slides towards me. I've gotten a lot of double teams, triple teams. But I feel like that's what uh, is a new challenge for me. Yeah. You know, I don't really get a lot of one-on-ones. And when I do, I have to have yeah. to win. And uh, But that's one thing. I, I Those are two things I really need to work on is double team and triple teams, just getting used to it. You know, not always depending on the one-on-one block that I have, but when I do have double-team or triple-team blocks, I, uh, you know, got to hope the my other teammates, the other D-linemen win as well because they have one-on-one. So it, it, uh, it all works out, and uh, I, I like it. I like being challenged, and sometimes I, I hope on the one-on-ones, but it won't always come to me. So. All right, CLC, you got to put the coach's hat on now. Uh now I don't want I don't want to get in trouble by talking about a game plan or anything, but give me your keys. What does Utah State need to do to make sure you get a W against uh, Colorado State? Um, like Coach A said, first one probably be you know we plan some different elements with the weather and whatnot. So ball security is always the first in our program. Is it buggy to play in the rain? Um, I mean, obviously you know when you throw as much as you want to play when it's dry, but yeah. I don't say it really buzzed me. You know we gotta go out there and get the get the W no matter what it is, rain, sleet, or snow. So. That's our that's how our focus is and mentality going to the game. Another key I say is um just finishing drives. You know, we got in the red zone quite a bit last week and we kept cutting away three points. Like nothing's wrong with three points, but six points are a lot better than three. So that's a big key for us and like that's what we kinda harped on this week is finishing drives and things like that. And um, you know, last key is always have fun, go out there and let it loose. You know, we prep our week for it and um you know, Saturday's so close, so we might as well go out there, let loose, have fun, do things like that to win the game. Deep, how about you? What do you got to do on defense? Um, we just got to continue to execute as much as we can. Uh, defensive line, it all starts with us. Uh, uh, 
you know, we got to stop the run game. You know, I feel like a solid offense will establish the run game real quick. And if we stop that, you know, we, I, we can depend on our DBs and our defensive staff to uh, defend the, the passes as well. And, you know, they can't pass unless the D-line gets to the quarterback. So I feel like the D-line, the front seven, will have a lot to do with this uh, with, with winning this game this week. So. Well, gentlemen, thanks for coming by. I really appreciate it. It's a fun conversation. Good luck coming up on Saturday, and uh, let's do it again soon. Yes, sir. There you go. CLC Mariner, T. Pinali. Give him a round of applause. Good young man as uh, Utah State gets set for a showdown coming up against Colorado State coming up on Saturday. Kevin and I, Kevin White and I will have the pregame show one hour before kickoff. And remember, all your uh, action is available on the Aggie Sports Network. And remember, uh, if you are looking uh, looking for the Aggies All the Way podcast where we replay this uh, coach's show, uh, make sure to download the podcast. It's available on any podcasting platform, whether it be Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, whatever you're looking for. Just search Aggies All the Way, and you can get all the uh, coaches' interviews, all the insight and analysis right there. And a big thanks to Wingers here in the Cash Valley Mall location. Always a pleasure to hang out here as well. For Coach Gary Anderson, I'm Scott Gerard. Big thanks to T. Penali, as well as COC Mariner. That's another edition of the Utah State Coaches Show with Gary Anderson right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. On the Aggie Sports Network, this has been the Aggie Coaches Show with Coach Gary Anderson. Brought to you by Ford. Go further. Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Wingers. They're freaking amazing. And by Larry H. Miller Dealerships. Driven by you. The proceeding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Aggie Sports Network.